We're in the midst of a series of lessons, How Do I?, that's taking us verse by verse through the book of James. What a practical, down-to-earth study this has been. In lesson one, we kind of gave an overview of the entire epistle and discovered that James identifies 12 distinguishing marks of spiritual maturity. And then in the Sundays to follow, we have been unpacking these marks one at a time. In lesson 2 from James 1 verses 2 through 12, we answered the question, how do I profit from my problems? In Lesson 3 from James 1, verses 13 through 18, we discussed how do I win against temptation? In Lesson 4 from James 1, 19 through 27, how do I listen to the Bible? In Lesson 5 from James 2, 1 through 13, how do I treat people properly? In Lesson 6 from James 2, verses 14 through 26, how do I validate my faith? And last Sunday was Lesson 7 from James 3, verses 1-12. through 12. The question, how do I tame that slippery little creature called the tongue? Well, that brings us to our eighth lesson this morning. How do I exercise godly wisdom? James 3, verses 13-18. through 18. Follow along in your Bible as I read today's text. James chapter 3, we pick it up with verse... 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. How do I exercise godly wisdom? Look at what the wisest man to ever live had to say in Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 15. Solomon, let's read it out loud together, in fact. God blesses everyone who has wisdom and common sense. Wisdom is worth more than silver. It makes you much richer than gold. Wisdom is more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing you want compares to her. In Proverbs 4, Verses 5 and 8, Solomon continues, sell everything and buy wisdom. Forage for understanding. Don't forget one word. Don't deviate an inch. Don't walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. So why do we need to exercise godly wisdom in our lives? Because as Solomon says here, nothing you want compares with her. Above all and before all else, do this. Get wisdom, he says. Simply put, wisdom is supreme. It must be a top priority in our lives. We need to make it our goal in life to live wisely. 
Now James opens today's verses on wisdom by asking a question. Look at it again there in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, before we raise our hands and jump up and down and go, me, me, (laughs) I'm it, I'm the wise one here, (laughs) we better take a closer look at what James has to say in the following verses about godly wisdom. Let's begin by defining godly wisdom. Wisdom. What is godly wisdom anyway? Well, it's not just knowledge or insight or information or intellect. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, does it make sense that a person could have a very high IQ, he or she could even be a genius and not be wise? So then what is real Wisdom. Well, if you were to go to a dictionary, you'd find something like this. The power of true and right discernment, also conformity to the course of action dictated by such discernment. Good practical judgment. Common sense. Actually, the word in the Bible that's most often translated wisdom comes from a word that meant to be skilled at something. For instance, in Exodus chapter 31, I didn't write that in your notes, you might want to write it down and look it up later, but Bezalel and Aholiab were called wise men, not because they had a superior knowledge or intellect, but because they were skilled craftsmen. So skilled, in fact, that God chose them to be the project managers for the building of the tabernacle and all the items in the tabernacle. Their wisdom, you see, was expressed through the skill that they had in working with their hands. Now, of course, over time, eventually the word came to mean skill in living. I love this definition. Godly wisdom is skill in living. The knowledge and ability to make the right choices at the right time. The application of experience and understanding to daily living. A person who learns how to skillfully live his or her life God's way is a truly wise person. James puts it this way in verse 13. Immediately after he asks that question, who's wise and understanding among you, he goes on to say, let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Don't miss that phrase. Let him show it by his good life. It's important for us to understand that wisdom is a lifestyle. Wisdom is demonstrated in the way we live our lives each and every day, in the choices we make, the words that we say, the thoughts that we think, the things that we do. Every day we show whether or not we have godly wisdom by how skillfully or how not so skillfully we live our lives. Now it's critical, I think, that we understand that there is a worldly wisdom that is not a godly wisdom, as was demonstrated in that video clip a moment ago. The Bible warns us about this many, many times. Proverbs 3, verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Isaiah 5, verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. We need to be ever so careful in thinking that we have real wisdom when, in fact, we might only have phony wisdom. There's a big difference between true wisdom and false wisdom. As a matter of fact, James spends the remaining verses in chapter 3 comparing the two, discussing the contrast between wisdom that is godly and wisdom that is worldly. 
And to help us to get a grasp on what James teaches, I, I tried to put it in a, in a chart there in your notes and up here on the screen. I think it helps us to see the side-by-side comparison that James talks about in these verses. For instance, the source of worldly wisdom is that it is earthly, unspiritual. James says, in fact, it is of the devil. Whereas the source of godly wisdom is that it comes from heaven, from God Himself, the all-wise one. The characteristics of worldly wisdom is that it is full of envy and, and selfish ambition. Whereas the characteristics of godly wisdom is that it is pure, peace-loving, considerate, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. The result or the outcome of worldly wisdom is disorder and every evil practice where the result or the outcome of godly wisdom is peace and righteousness. Isn't it, isn't it kind of helpful to see that side by side? To break it down that way? And as you can see, there's quite a difference between the source characteristics and results of a wisdom that is real and godly and a wisdom that is counterfeit or worldly. Now, with this definition in mind then, skill in living, what I want us to do is to expand on the right-hand column of the chart by talking about the characteristics of godly wisdom as we move on to our second main point this morning, and that's detecting godly wisdom. How can we detect whether or not we are actually exercising godly wisdom in our daily lives? Well, James gives us, if you will, a wisdom test in verse 17. He identifies at least six qualities of godly wisdom that will be evident in our lives if we are truly skilled in living. Let's talk about them. Number one, if we are wise, we won't compromise our integrity. We won't compromise our integrity. Notice James begins verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. And this word pure means to be uncorrupted or unpolluted. It's what James was talking about back in James 1 and verse 27 when he said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A person who keeps himself or herself pure and unpolluted. Someone who keeps his or her integrity intact. Who lives his or her life with uncompromising character. Who is in private what he or she also is in public. That's the truly wise person. The old adage is true that character is what someone really is like when no one else is watching. Think about that. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. Purity, integrity, credibility, character. It's what Solomon said in Proverbs 10 and verse 9. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but the person who compromises his ways will be found out. Now why does a person of integrity walk securely? Because he or she doesn't have anything to hide. They don't have to look over their shoulder afraid that someone is going to find out something about them that they don't want anyone to know. (laughs) They aren't covering anything up. There is no pretense. There's no dirt to be dug up. There's no fear because they are who they are all the time. So if we're wise, we won't compromise our Integrity. Number two, if we're wise, we won't antagonize others' anger. We won't antagonize others' anger. 
James continues in verse 17 by saying that godly wisdom is peace-loving. He uses the phrase in verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace. Simply put, a truly wise person knows how to maintain peaceful relationships with other people. Now we'll talk more in detail about that in next week's lesson, in fact. But for today's lesson, let me just ask the question, you ever notice that there are some people who just don't know how to not push buttons? (laughs) You know what I mean? They, they don't know how to back off. They don't know when enough is enough. They're irritating, annoying, obnoxious. They don't seem to know the meaning of tact and diplomacy. You know some people like that? People who just push buttons? <laughs> Are you one of those people? <laughs> well, a person with godly wisdom isn't like this, James tells us. Again, a truly wise person doesn't antagonize others Anger. Let's read Proverbs 20 and verse 3 out loud together. Any fool can start arguments. The wise thing is to stay out of them. <laughs> Number three, if we're wise, we won't minimize others' feelings. We won't minimize others' feelings. Verse 17 goes on to say that godly wisdom is considerate. Other translations use the word gentle, courteous, well-mannered, respectful. The idea is that a truly wise person knows how to show consideration for the feelings of other people. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make in life is to be too quick to judge other people's feelings. If someone doesn't feel the way we feel about something, we dismiss their feelings as invalid or we say something like, you shouldn't feel that way. Uh Oh, really? Why not? I mean, who are we to judge how someone else feels? Let me illustrate. If you're feeling cold right now this morning in here, raise your hand. Anybody feeling a little cold? Hmm. You feeling warm this morning? Let me see your hand. Uh, A few. Now, those of us that didn't raise our hands, I would assume you're feeling okay. (laughs) But the question is, who's right and who's wrong? Nobody. We all feel differently about different things, even the temperature for Pete's sake. God just wired us differently and we have to give consideration to other people's feelings. Proverbs 15 and verse 4 reminds us, kind words heal and help, cutting words wound and maim. And a truly wise person doesn't step all over somebody else's feelings by their inconsiderate comments. Number four. If we're wise, we won't criticize others' advice. We won't criticize others' advice. Verse 17 continues and uses the word submissive. RSV chooses the phrase open to reason. The Living Bible paraphrases it willing to listen to others. Personally, I like J.B. Phillips' translation of this Greek word the very best, approachable. A truly wise person is approachable. He or she is open to reason, willing to listen to others. The gist here is that a person who is exercising godly wisdom is a person who has a teachable spirit. He or she is open to the counsel and the advice of others. Proverbs 12.15 sums it up. A fool thinks he needs no advice. A wise man listens to others. Again, a truly wise person is approachable, open even to... Criticism to constructive advice from others. 
Number five, if we're wise, we won't emphasize others' mistakes. We won't emphasize others' mistakes. James continues in verse 17 by telling us we can detect godly wisdom in a person because they're full of mercy and good fruit. And yes, I do believe that these two belong together in a single application. A truly wise person is someone who shows mercy and compassion toward others rather than being quick to point out their faults and shortcomings. A person who's wise is a person of grace, not a person who's nitpicky and fault-finding and always looking for wrong or bad in other people. In fact, this, this term good fruit that James mentions here are the acts of kindness that come from grace and mercy. James put it this way back in James 2 and verse 13 when he wrote, Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy ought to always triumph over Judgment. Simply put, we need to learn to practice mercy and not be so quick to jump to conclusions or to judge others or to fault find. Read Proverbs 17 verse 9 out loud with me. Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Enough said. <laughs> if we're wise, we won't emphasize others' mistakes. Number six, if we're wise, we won't disguise our weaknesses. We won't disguise our weaknesses. Verse 17 concludes by telling us that godly wisdom is impartial and sincere. It's interesting that both of these Greek words come from the same root word. It's the root from which we get our English word hypocrite or hypocrisy. Now in Greek culture, the word described a play actor on the stage. It was common in Greek theater for one actor to play all the different characters in the same play. And the way you could tell the difference between the different characters was by the different masks that the, the actor would hold up in front of his face at any particular moment. The play actor, literally the word is hypocrite, would hold up one mask for one character, then changing characters, he would grab another mask and hold it up in front of him, and on it would go throughout the play. And what James is saying here is that in real life, a wise person doesn't wear different masks. He or she doesn't play different parts. He or she is not a hypocrite on the stage of everyday life. We must be transparent, vulnerable, real. We must be the same person at all times in all situations. No disguises. No mask. No hypocrisy. No pretense. No play acting. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 reminds us, you'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. A truly wise person never disguises his or her own weaknesses. By the way, did you notice how this last characteristic goes full circle and comes back and touches the first characteristic again? Integrity? This is the person who's really honest. What you see is what is real. Wisdom. So, how do we measure up to Jane's wisdom test here? Are we exercising godly wisdom in our everyday lives? If we're truly wise, then we won't compromise our integrity. And we won't antagonize others' anger. We won't minimize others' feelings. We won't criticize others' advice. We won't emphasize others' mistakes. And we certainly won't disguise our own weaknesses. All of which leads us to our final main point today, and that's developing 
godly wisdom. Since wisdom's a skill, right? Skill in living, then it's something that can be developed. It's something we can learn, it's something we can sharpen and hone. So how do we develop godly wisdom in our everyday lives? Our time allotted is short, so let me just give these four steps to you very quickly. Number one, it starts with the fear of God. We've got to start with the fear of God. If we're ever going to develop godly wisdom in our lives, it has got to begin with our own individual personal fear of God. Now when I use the word fear here, mostly I'm talking about respect, reverence, awe, Wonder. Solomon talked about this in Proverbs 1 verse 7. How does a person become wise? The first step is to trust and revere or fear the Lord. Proverbs 9 verse 10 puts it this way. Reverence and fear of God are basic to all wisdom. Knowing God results in all other kinds of understanding. See, when it comes to developing godly wisdom, this is what must always come first. The fear of God. My question is, James' question is, have we lost our sense of awe? Our sense of wonder? I mean, yes, God is our Abba Father, our Daddy, and we're His children, but God is also God, and that means that He is holy, and He is almighty, and He is powerful, and He is glorious, and He is eternal, and He alone is worthy. And we ought to be on our knees. In fact, we ought to be flat on our faces before Him. And if we ever lose that sense of fear for who God is, can forget about wisdom. Godly wisdom begins with understanding who God is. And when we understand who God is, guess what happens? We begin to understand who we are in relationship to God. Godly wisdom always starts right here with the fear of God. How do we develop godly wisdom in our lives? Number two, we need to seek the help of God. We need to seek the help of God. It only makes sense that if real godly wisdom comes down from heaven, as James indicates in verse 17, then we should go to the source. God Himself. In fact, that's exactly what James Himself told us to do earlier in James 1 and verse 5. Let's read it out loud together. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all. See, here's the bottom line. God has all the wisdom that we could ever need for this life. He has all the wisdom that we need to live life skillfully. He's just waiting for us to ask for it. Proverbs 2 verse 6 puts it this way. For the Lord grants wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. And by the way, here's the key. Don't miss this. Ask for God's wisdom first. Not later, not last. Don't get caught in the trap of trying to live your life in your own human wisdom, the earthly worldly wisdom that James talks about, and then once you've messed everything up, go to God for wisdom to help you get it all squared away. But isn't that what we do? Come on. 
Try asking for God's wisdom first. Begin your day. God, please give me wisdom as I begin this day. Help me to make the right choices. Help me to make wise decisions. Help me to do your will your way. Guide me down the right path. Help me to avoid foolish mistakes. And just keep praying that prayer throughout the day again and again and again. Fervently asking for God's wisdom constantly throughout the course of your day. Don't let God's wisdom just be a fix-all. Number three, study the Word of God. If we're going to develop wisdom in our lives, we must study the Word of God. We've got to apply the principles of the Bible to our lives. I mean, God's Word, would you agree, is a book of wisdom? Yes. I mean, the Scriptures are the blueprints for our lives. He gave us these directions so that we could learn to be skilled in living each and every day. Let me ask you, how many of you believe everything you read in the newspaper? How many of you believe everything you see on TV? How many of you believe everything you see on the Internet? How many of you believe everything you study in the Bible? Okay, if that's true, then let me ask this question. Why do we spend more time paying attention to the things we don't believe in rather than the one thing we say we do believe in? Yes, amen. I mean, does that make sense? We're feeding our minds constantly with worldly wisdom. We're getting bombarded with human wisdom everywhere we turn in our lives. And how are we going to filter all of this? How are we going to know godly wisdom if we never spend enough time in God's Word digging it out? Listen to what Paul wrote, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared at every point. And so if we're ever going to exercise godly wisdom, we are going to have to study the Word of God. Number four, stick with the people of God. If we're going to develop godly wisdom in our lives, we need to stick with the people of God. Proverbs 13 verse 20 puts it this way, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Get any clearer than that? The truth is, wisdom is more often caught than it is taught. That's why it's so important for us to spend time together as believers, worshiping together here on Sundays, studying the Bible in our Bible study groups, serving together in ministry, eating together at our monthly potlucks, inviting each other into one another's homes, uh, participating in guess who's coming to dinner, on and on the list goes, just taking advantage of every opportunity we can to rub shoulders with each other as Christ followers. Because I want you to know I need you. In fact, you need me. <laughs> we all need each other. We cannot make it through this life flying solo. God never intended that. It's a journey we're taking together. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, Just as iron sharpens iron, friends sharpen the minds of each other. 
Four steps to developing godly wisdom. It starts with the fear of God. That's where it always starts, folks. The wonder, the awe, the reverence for who God is. You've got to seek the help of God. God has all the wisdom we need for life. We just need to ask Him. You've got to study the Word of God. This is the book of wisdom. The blueprint, the directions. Life works best when you follow the directions. And we need to stick with the people of God. We need each other. As iron sharpens iron. So how do I exercise godly wisdom. This morning we've taken a closer look at James 3, 13 through 18. James has challenged us to godly wisdom in our daily lives. Let's conclude today's lesson by reading Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17 out loud together. Would you read it with me? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Man, may that be so. May that be so. May we live our lives every day in godly 